American Gunslingers presenting Ubaldi Reports. Hey everybody, it's John at Ubaldi Report, the one podcast that provides fact, not fiction, on issues impacting America, whether globally or domestically. And today's podcast is um, a little different than we did last week. Last week we did it on Thursday because of the holidays and everything was going on. Well, also because of TikTok ban. Oh, that's right. And TikTok <laughs> banned me because they thought we were spewing hate speech. And you can go on... The Ubali Reports website, go to podcast at the top, um, scroll down to, what was it, Anti-Semitic University, and you can see for yourself if we were pushing out hate speed or not. But today's podcast, we're just going to reflect on America One Year in Review. A lot has happened, um, and now we're getting ready to go into the, um, the new year. A lot of the same issues are... Still prevalent on the domestic side, the economy, inflation. Inflation is not as big as it was, but it's came come down considerably. But also, we're still seeing high prices at the grocery store, high prices for rent. Home prices are at record levels. So these don't all consistently factor in to inflation, but it impacts America. And then on overseas, you got the ongoing war. So we'll be going on year three. With the war in Ukraine, you've got the re- potential regional war in the Middle East. We're attacking um, Iranian proxy forces, and we got a lot of issues for, to face. So a lot of stuff is going on, and it's going to be impacted what's coming up this year coming up. So what do you feel about our president taking another vacation, John, to the Virgin Islands? You know what? I'm a little bit more upset. Not that he's taking a vacation, but he's inconvenience. He's going to be an inconvenience to a lot of people because St. Croix is a very, I would say, a good destination for a lot of people, especially during the winter, too. Correct. And he's going to show up there, and they got to clear out a lot just for this guy to sit around for a little bit. See, to me, I'm, I'm not so bothered by... Him taking another vacation, this time to St. Croix. Usually he goes up to Delaware. Now, he spent 40% of his presidency so far on vacation. Where I am bothered by the fact is we got a lot of problems going on, like overseas. I know Ray's a big, um, brings, keeps bringing up the war in Ukraine. But then we've got, we're using military forces to go after Iranian proxy forces. We've got American naval forces in the Red Sea to keep sh- shipping moving. And... Seven other countries are on board, but they're not going to be under the U.S. umbrella. They want to do something separate, which is kind of different what we've done in the past. So my big problem with Joe Biden is he doesn't hold press conferences. you got to shout a question. To him being interviewed by Conan O'Brien, to me, doesn't count. Well, kind of going back into, he did he convince Netanyahu to... Have like a ceasefire, or no, at least, he hasn't done anything. But oh, so why are they promoting that, or why are they saying that? Like on CNN, is that he's urging them to he's do this? He's probably doing something like that. But to, but nobody. The problem is, and I don't care what anybody says. Nobody fears this president. They just don't. I mean, look at right now. We got a, a, a hundred attacks on U.S. forces since um, October the seventh. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not advocating we go to massive military war with Iran because I've seen war with Iraq and Afghanistan I've seen how we got in didn't have a, a, a coherent strategy and I was on a radio program today and that's what I mentioned my biggest problem with Joe Biden's foreign policy and this is what goes back to what Ray's been talking about with Ukraine what is our foreign policy objective so far he's just doing 
Everything that Trump did, he's doing the opposite. And we're seeing some of the things that Trump did, like in the Middle East. He was the strongest tribe. He killed 250 Russian mercenaries in Syria. He killed al-Baghdadi. But the biggest one, to the Iranians, he killed Qasem Soleimani. And the Iranians huffed and puffed, but they didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, remember, this is the president who came in with the most foreign policy experience. He was chairman or ranking member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and he spent eight years as vice president. Look where we're at. Well, you say that, but you also know that he's been wrong on all decisions when it did come to foreign policy. Well, exactly. Robert Gates, the Secretary of Defense under both Bush and Obama, said that. He's a likable guy, but he's been wrong on every foreign policy decision since he ever came into the Senate. I mean, like, you could say that the Detroit Lions are a good football team, but they've never been in the Super Bowl, so what does it really matter? Go ahead, Ray. Echo came in and said, how about the invasion at the southern border? No. Th- how, how about that? No, and that's a good, what was the person's call? Echo. Well, I would tell Echo, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you take the last year of the Trump administration, 450,000 came across the U.S. southern border. And in four years, from 2017 to 2020, only, I think, about no more than 12 were on the terror watch list. We had 79 in the month of October. They've had well over 200 in, in just the three and a half years Joe Biden has been president. And now we went from 450,000, we're up to 8 million. We just crossed almost 3 million last year, and we're a record of to break even that one if this trends keep continuing. What about them? What about the, I guess, the people at the southern border? I guess it would be an eclectic mix of people south of our border. But they're demanding that Joe Biden do something to help them. And then, if one, if he doesn't help them, that will just make the administration look even worse than what it is right now. But I think that who are they to kind of also say, you need to help us? But see, I think the other problem is President Biden is too tied to the progressive wing of his party. They don't want um, border security. They believe these people want to come. They should be able to come to the United States, and we're supposed to take care of them. Is it embarrassing to the Democratic Party that for the first two years of this presidency, they touted that there was no southern border issues, and now going into 2024 and late 2023, the Mexican president has now said that he's going to try to control his side of the southern border. So does that, are they starting to acknowledge that there is a giant problem down there? Well, there's two parts to that. The The second part, the Mexican president isn't going to do anything. He's going to talk all he wants, and we're going to believe him. He's doing nothing because they benefit just like the cartels. They're federal, state and regional governments all benefit from the migrants coming through. They exploit these migrants. And obviously the cartels do with human trafficking, sexual trafficking, children in these squalor um, jobs and everything. But then go back to um, these Democrats. They all supported sanctuary cities. Remember when Trump was president, they jumped all over who could be the most welcoming to to the migrants when it didn't affect them. Once Greg Abbott and lesser degree uh, Governor DeSantis of Florida started shipping these migrants to Chicago, to New York, to Philadelphia, to all these other cities, then they started to wake up and said, we can't afford it. Like Brandon Johnson, 
He's a big proponent of sanctuary city policy. He's taken resources that should go to the citizens of Chicago and is directing to taking care of these migrants. And who does he blame? He blames Greg Abbott. So what is the governor of Texas supposed to do? We're supposed to, and the governor of Arizona, they're supposed to take care of 8 million illegals? And they're going to get worse this well, year. It didn't go It didn't go the way they planned. They were hoping that they would move all the illegals over the border and they would stay in those areas, say Florida, from like Florida to, to Arizona, and they would just hang out there and thus maybe swaying or providing a different, or the a, other different pro- out, a different outcome of the when it when it was time to vote. Or what they would do is they would bring them in, and then they would say we're going to do amnesty for everybody right now. Uh-huh. So you would take let's say eight million or how many millions of people come across amnesty, everybody can stay, and that's not a way to run a government. And what they want to do, if they ever flipped Texas. There's no way the Republican could win. And the reason I say it's going to get worse this year coming up is if there's a perception, even that sparkling of an interest that a Republican's going to win in November, you're going to see the floodgates open because they know their window is short. Mm-hmm. And they know they're going to go back to what worked under the Trump administration. But I don't think it's going to work into their favor because I see that they already know what a mix, what a country or a region looks like when it's ran under like socialism. So why would it be any different? You know, why are they like, oh, let's make our this country a social a socialist kind of country where they would maybe more be more inclined to vote Republican to prevent that. But see, the other thing is, you even got Latinos or Hispanics in this country who came legally. They want tougher borders because they know these people are going into their communities. All these progressives who push this stuff, they don't they don't see it because they're not in their neighborhoods. Now, I wish the media, like the latest um, reporter or um, journalist who interviewed Kamala Harris, he never mentioned the border. Where's Kamala Harris? She was put in charge of that border. Yeah, but she was put in charge of that like three years ago. And and if if nothing happened three years ago, it's definitely not going to happen It's not. But, I mean, nobody holds them. (laughs) Nothing like the El Paso visit. Yeah, but nobody (laughs) holds them accountable. Yeah. The only way it became a big issue. But when has that ever? When have they ever held anybody of this administration accountable? They don't. So when they stood, the only way it became a big issue and to the citizens, that's why a lot of the, the traditional groups that back Democrats, like African Americans, Hispanics, and Asians, they're seeing millions upon hundreds of thousands of migrants flood into their country, their cities, their communities, take resources away from them to take care of them. Well, that's, and then that, I think what you're saying right there is also that's what the problem is. That's why everybody else sees a problem because it's not like, this country or this country or the state or the city used to give money to me because I needed it. And now that I'm not getting it, I'm a little upset because now they're getting it and they don't deserve it. And that's where we're at. Even I've heard reports that VA is, is taking care of the, the illegal migrants at the no. expense of... Mm-hmm. At the expense of... No. Montana Senator already put in an investigation. Yep, there's an investigation to look into that. I'm a little pissed off now. I mean, because I'm struggling to keep my head above water, and you're given resources that I served 30 years, three combat tours, you were wounded, 
Ray served in the Marines. John, here's the plan. We will drop you off. You swim over the border. You come back up. You wait in line for about three days. And guess what? You get all these benefits, and you're going to get, you know. An albino like him? Okay, okay, okay. Hold on. But here's the thing. You can't live in Florida because Ron's not going to take you. Yeah, well, I can't live in Texas. <laughs> and don't show up at the Home Depot because someone's going to get arrested. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> but look at all the problems. But all these problems are going to carry over. And then if you, as we get gearing up for the um, the primaries, I think the first primary is January 15th, all these issues are here. Now, that's why right now Trump is leading. And it, and I think this puts people in a quandary. They, they may not like Trump's bombastic over-the-top rhetoric, but what I tell people is, if you're worrying about how you're going to pay rent, if you're worrying about high home prices, I got a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know him. Yep. And he wants to get a house. He's done everything right, but the interest rates are too high. Now the interest rates are coming down a little bit. The housing prices are going up. So he can't afford a house. You've got millions of people on student loans. There's like 22 million people with student loan debt. About eight to nine million are refusing to pay. Now, some of the reasons are different for each person, but one of the reasons is why should I pay this money back? I'm never going to get a house, so what do I care if I'm uh, if my credit is crap? I mean, but even everything that Joe Biden has touched, like when they talk about student loan debt, and I wish the media would do it, he's the one that caused it. When they nationalized it back in 2010. They absolved these colleges and universities. Look at the Ivy League. How many billions of dollars do they have in endowments? Joe Biden's the cause of a lot of things, especially when he's first up in the office and he said, shut this down, shut this down, shut that down. We could have easily been a, still a, prosper, a prosperous oil-producing country going off the previous administration and, I'll get with you in a second, and... We would have been better off. Not only would we would have been better off, the administration would have been better off, and that they would probably more than likely be more eligible for re-election than the person coming in right now. Correct. So CW Flight said, "How is Trump going to change any of this?" Go ahead, well, John. You got you. You know. You know. You have. Well, the first thing you. to do is get back to the, get rid of the regulations, the er- erroneous regulations. Now everybody sees corporate America, but sixty percent of small businesses um, make up the heart of the U.S. economy. I've talked to small businesses all the time. They're reeling from regulation. Corporations love high the high minimum wage. They love the big regulation because what that does. It forces their competition away, and they can they can offset that by raising prices and raising their margins in other places. So that's one of the areas. Get the, the regulatory burden off the backs of America and let America, let the free market run sway. Now, we've seen, like Joe mentioned, the production of energy is at record levels. Okay, I would agree with that, but that's in spite of Joe Biden. You got to give credit to the free market, those who can invent ways to get um, energy out of shale, out of the um, the fracking industry. Mm-hmm. That helped us out. We're shipping things overseas. We're transitioning away from you know other energies through natural gas. Our greenhouse gases have dropped. That's because of the private sector. And the other thing we got to do is you. And this is the, I kind of fault uh, Donald Trump on this one. 
is you have to reduce government spending. There needs to be an overhaul of how we hire people, how we acquire things, and how we spend our money. And that includes the Pentagon. In the other area, you're going to have to get a handle on the um, entitlement or the mandatory spending. That's Because in eight years from now, Social Security is broke. Now, everybody says, no, it's not. I go, so we're going to wait eight years when the Social Security and Medicare actuaries are said, we only have enough funding until 2033, and then you got to do 25% cut right off the back. But the biggest thing is get American working, get our labor participation rate higher, quit paying people not to work, and let's get moving. So there's a lot of things we can do. I'm trying to think Mark's a troll. Okay. Why? Well, what did Mark say? <clears throat> well, Mark, uh, here, we'll go over, we'll do a rapid fire of Mark here. Hello. Um, said Trump would be on a revenge tour. Nothing will get done. And then he's like, we're more independent, more energy independent now, which is a lie. <laughs> and Okay, but the first part, he said Trump would be on a revenge tour. And then we need, we need the IRS agents. So basically, yeah. Well, there's two things to that. Okay, one, he said Trump's <clears throat> on a revenge tour. So tell me what Joe Biden has done with the IRS, the DOJ, the FBI, and our intelligence service going after political opponents. And then when he talked about we need more IRS agents, why doesn't those IRS agents that he's talking about look at Joe Biden when we have ample evidence from whistleblowers from the IRS, the FBI, and DOJ said they, they pushed off any charges of failing to provide taxes. That includes Joe Biden's, I think... Um, either youngest sister or daughter. His own son, Hunter Biden, didn't pay millions of dollars in um, taxes. you got to read that. So why doesn't the IRS look at that instead of just allowing those serious charges to pass the statute of limitation? Uh, yeah, so... Okay, if you're not, I am. <laughs> Fart man. <laughs> good, good job. Good name, buddy. Uh, Second Kings, 22, 23 to 24. God sends... God sends bears to maul 42 children who make fun of a bald guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so love sarcasm. Oh, I love a little good sarcasm. Uh, good. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, well, with the whole IRS agents, you know, but you're right in that case where, you know, whatever, like, Hunter Biden is, is an example of, like, you know, he circumvented the gun laws, he's circumventing the he's IRS. He's circumventing everything. And he is the biggest violator, and they're just like, oh, nothing to see here, folks. Or why don't they look at, why don't these IRS look at how much money, billions of dollars, has come into these American universities? Mm -hmm. A lot of these universities are tax-exempt, nonprofits. Why don't they look at them? Why don't they look at the, look at the Ivy Leagues? How many billions of dollars they have in endowments? Why is their tuition so high? Can we ask Mark where he got his sources saying where how we're energy independent? Yeah, does that, that include good. a jillywatt? And does well, Gavin, then you you remember Gavin Newsom? He has some good information on all this. Okay, but the <laughs> other thing when they talk about energy, they're pushing us further and further into electric vehicles, yeah. which need power. And these Where's companies all, are losing billions. They're losing billions. So where are all this money coming from? Where's all this this electricity going to come from when you can't handle it now? So Trump would get rid of that. And okay, I got it. We got a guy at work who bought an electric vehicle. I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. There's a gentleman named Joel Cockin. He writes for New Geography, which is, deals with state and local issues. 
and he's he's liberal, but he's a pragmatist. And what he said is, there's nothing wrong with pushing electric vehicles, but that can't be the primary source. And what we're doing, let's look at let's let the free market, yeah, because the free market had us produce more energy than any country in the world. Let the free market decide. Is electric cars the way to go or something else? Well, you know but what? we're pushing electric vehicles. Ray's a car guy. So Ray's a car guy. I'm kind of a car guy. Well, Are electrical? Like, would you think an electric vehicle is faster than a gas vehicle? Yeah. Okay. No, I was in an electric car. That thing was flying down Okay, yeah, but so, I mean... But you have no gases the combustion so you don't have to convert your rear wheels you're dealing with electric yeah and so. you're dealing but also you're dealing with four in a sense okay, you're but deal, you're, dealing with four small engines versus one big okay, engine but here's the problem but you're dealing with battery yeah. most people in america and this is going from joel cocken and others who write at new geography and other energy sources most people park their car on the street yeah i live in an apartment if they had to put charging stations there, there's six f- spots in the front, six in the back. If everybody has two cars, you're going to fill them up there. So what, what are we going to have? Cables going everywhere? Wasn't there like $2.5 billion going to go to those uh, charging oh, there was, stations? There was $8 billion supposed out of the infrastructure. How many were built? Zero. Not one. Okay, <laughs> but, but, but John, there's $8 billion there. So no, but, eventually, right? Yeah, but see, I talked to the guy that bought it. He bought a Tesla. Uh-huh. He said he always wanted to get one. And so we asked him, how long does it take to, to charge that Tesla? Mm-hmm. It takes about 30 minutes, and it can go so far. And if it's 80% maxed out, it can go so far. Okay, but we live in Florida. What happens if we got a hurricane coming? Everybody's got to power up their car right away. You're going to go to a charging station, how, and it takes a half hour to get a full charge? So there is a patch where they can actually extend the battery life. In your vehicle, and they can do it via Wi-Fi. So that did happen. I think it was like maybe two hurricanes ago, where Elon Musk um, knew of the situation that was happening here in Florida, and basically. But how long does that patch work? It, it extended battery life up to another third. So okay, but it, you it still could have been, could have been enough st- to get them over. But also, you know, where maybe Ray would be a little bit more knowledgeable when it comes to battery uh electric or electric vehicles might because he's worked on them he's done but maybe when it's still it 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 it, it's using a certain amount of energy versus it moving but you're still gonna have to get energy yeah of course if you're forcing the fossil fuel industry out of business like john Kerry when he was at the doha agreement they'll never do that i know but they're doing that now they're forcing more and more of these companies. Like John Kerry wants to propose that we we eliminate all coal-fired plants, whether new ones being um, being built and the old ones he wants to eliminate. Well, coal makes up 30% of our energy grid. So if you take 30% out, wind and solar cannot make up the difference. In China, they build a coal-fired plant every 10 days, but they still do wind and solar the coal is supposed to offset that. So where is all this? Electric? California, remember a year ago, they told everybody, you're going to be buying an electric car by this date. And then um, two days later, they said, please don't charge up your bat- your electric vehicles because we don't have the grid to handle it. Mm-hmm. That's why he was, 
was going to eliminate the Diablo Valley nuclear power plant, but because of their shortage of energy, he extended that another five years. So we're doing this in a very short time. By, by 2026, we got to get half of our cars or close to it have got to be electric. I can't afford a $55,000 car. I just can't. Well, and the, and the other thing is right now that it's just – it's just not there. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of monitoring Tesla closely um, with their Cybertruck and their new semi-truck, but diesel still owns the road. Diesel still is the number one option um, to run this country because it's cheaper, it's easier to use. Um, and and I, I think there's just some variables in there for the, for the electric vehicles in its entirety of how can it bear and get through the conditions you know you have different conditions you have the extreme cold to the extreme heat um, to the extreme tropics of water um, so I mean you have every condition now I mean I'm going to imagine they have to go through this I have common sense and well, I understand yeah, 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 that you're giving them too much well here's but the point that's, when that's you talk question. about diesel truck a friend of mine in my church he owns a Tampa, tr Tampa truck center they deal with selling of these big 18-wheel trucks, used and new. And he's all some all across the country. He went to Germany, went to the Daimler Chrysler plant. And they're all in on diesel electric trucks. So I asked him, how far does the average truck go, the average 18-wheel truck on diesel? And it could go about 800 miles. Around, I think it's around there, 800 miles. Take a diesel? Mm -hmm. Jesus. So I asked him, well, how far does a totally electric vehicle truck <laughs> go? He said 50. about 150 miles. Really? Well, think about well, how far is it here from Tampa to the border of Georgia or about six four or hours. five, six hours? Six hours. So about here. 500 yeah. miles? No, you're looking at like 350. Three, three, 350. Okay, so that means you're going to have to stop twice. Yeah. So look at the cost. Now, we're not talking about the electricity that's going to have to cool or ref um, refrigerate or freeze any item in the back of these trucks. So if you're going to travel from one part of the state to country to the other, you've got to make sure there's a lot of places to go. And if it takes 30 minutes for a Tesla to charge that battery, how long is it going to take to charge a diesel battery and he said these batteries are huge mm -hmm. now you got to factor the weight plus your pulling items that's also got to be factored in i couldn't get behind that diesel generated because that would burn better that whatever the reason but when you're talking 150 miles before you got to charge again and if it takes 30 minutes to charge a tesla battery i can't imagine how long it's going to take to charge a diesel, I mean, uh, an electric 18-wheel truck battery. So you've got to factor all this stuff in. And, then, and we're but, not thinking this through. Well, no, we're not. And we're thinking, <clears throat> so if we really want to get into like a little bit of a scientific kind of discussion, which we have three more minutes, um, I mean, technically we would have to, we have to find an alternate energy source that could still fuel, but that is not, technically, would not be familiar with our planet and then the other so basically we would have to find a different energy source on a different planet 
to provide that for stuff that, like here, almost like a bat. Like yeah, we, can make, we can make our own ba- own batteries because yeah. we have lithium, cobalt, all that. Okay, kind of just like what that. you just mentioned. If we're going all electric battery, we don't produce the lithium, the cobalt, the nickel. Now we just found the largest lithium mine outside of I think a border of California, Nevada. But the EPA prevents us from mining it. Mining is very harmful to the environment. Everybody wants who charges their electric vehicle, pat themselves on the back. Oh, that's great. I'm great for the environment. Why don't you tell that to a little six-year-old who's in the Congo digging up um, lithium and all the other stuff? They're harming the environment. Mm-hmm. So, And then we're going to acquiesce our energy independence to China, who produces most of this stuff. And, and refines most of this. We don't do that here. I think it's kind of almost like the hitman theory that I'm not I'm not doing anything if I'm paying somebody else to do it for me. Exactly. So basically, just... if I buy a Tesla, I'm I'm yay pro environment because I bought a Tesla, even though it's like two or three people removed from mining the it's lithium out cobalt of sight, and all out that. of mind yeah and all these little and we're still, see, it's still bad it's just but look at europe europe is far ahead of us on green technology and they can't produce enough energy to that's why germany had to go back sri lanka went all green and they they're starving down there they had a revolution and got rid of their government because of that we can produce our own like petroleum or petrol with allergy and it, it might cost a little bit more, but it's still something we can create, not not mine, not drill for it. Whatever the issue, and they're but they're never gonna they're not gonna go for it because maybe the oil companies have us under under. But but also even with the oil companies, we produce energy in this country cleaner and safer than any other part of the world. But what do we want to do? We want to shut them down and send everything over to China. So we're gonna pay a price. If we don't get ahead of this and, and get get people thinking clearly, and though it's funny, the ones that push it, like just today, um, Kamala Harris, the vice president, was on with her husband over Christmas, cooking up their Christmas, whatever. President Biden wants to, wants to ban gas stoves. What does she have in her house? A gas stove. Well, I, my theory behind that is that anything that has a finite amount to it, they're going to want to ban it so that there's more for the elite. Elites. And look and at John Kerry. John Kerry flies all over the world. Like when he went to Doha, he was all about, we got to end meat consumption. Mm-hmm. What do they have on their plate for their dinner rather than Doha? Meat. Yeah. So it's always like <laughs> one a, thing they for you. sliders, John. Okay. Yeah, one thing for you. But we get to do what we want to do because we don't. We're not. We're we're above the fray. No, but we have to do something about the hypocrisy. It is until it, Americans call it, their it, leaders out. Well, and it also it happened a long time ago. The hypocrisy was called out a long, long time ago uh, during the French Revolution, and we saw how that how that ended yeah, the up. early but, revolutionaries I mean, how, were guillotined by the the because they weren't radical enough. But yeah. all this is going to play out in twenty twenty four. What direction America goes? In November 2024, we'll be telling. You think there's going to be a recession? I believe so. I think too much debt from the government, too much debt in the private sector. It can't be. It's not sustainable over time. I think they're going to hold it back as long as they can, and then oh, yeah. when there's a new president in there, they're going to be like, yep, it's his fault. But these bills, as he's like, as a recession's happening, as he's like swearing in, you're going to be like, yep, all him. Well, they did that to George W. Bush. Did they? The recession happened in 2020. 
and they were in March of 2021. They were blaming I mean, 2021, 2001. They were blaming him for the economics. It's like, wait a minute, he just took office two months before, two months ago. CNN said he did it, so, yeah, it, so it had to be true. There you go. Everything's John, true on CNN. John, how can they get a hold of you? You can go to ubaldireports at gmail.com. That's ubaldireports at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And this time, we weren't banned on TikTok. So we want to keep this going every Wednesday at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. We'll be talking about and next Wednesday. We'll be doing the first one for the new year. And there's going to be a lot to talk about. My goal is to do this every day, or at least Monday through Friday, talk about the issues that are impacting Americans. And I ultimately would like to get experts from the different policy centers, think tanks, political leaders to be interviewed on this show. So then you can ask them direct questions. So that's the goal. So keep following us and we'll make that happen. But before we leave, let me turn it over to Joe and Ray and they can talk about um, All-American Gunslingers and what we're going to be doing for that. What I should have said is, do you like guns? Do you like shooting guns? Then you'll love us. And so all you, Ray and I, All-American Gunslingers, our range is looking to be opening up some in the time frame of February. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, and uh, you can get us on all social media platforms of All American Gunslingers. And we're just kind of bringing a little bit new um, range, some ideas and concepts up to the Newport Ritchie area. But you can follow us on TikTok because, you know, it's a movement and uh, we want you there to be with us. So, Ray, go ahead. Uh, one more thing. So today was the passing of Mr. Gaston Glock. He was 94 years old. He was the inventor of the Glock pistol. So rest in peace, Mr. Glock. Let's shoot one up in the air for him. <laughs> and there we go. So till next Wednesday at 730 Eastern Standard Time, keep listening to Ubaldi Reports.